Peace, my people. You're tuning in to I Must Be Bugging, where black, gifted, and otherwise neurodivergent folks celebrate our special flavors. If you've ever questioned your perspective in a world built for the masses, welcome home. I'm your host, Sheldon Gay, and I appreciate you joining me on this journey as a late-identified, black, gifted man. Together, we'll rewrite the script on neurodiversity by celebrating our differences, challenging the status quo, and breaking free from old narratives that label us as deficient. In each episode, we'll explore the stories, experiences, and of course, the curiosities of black gifted adults and other neurodivergent people who are underrepresented or unidentified in a world where normal can also mean harmful. So continue with me on this journey of self-discovery, empowerment, and acceptance. I Must Be Bugging is creating safe spaces, sparking conversations, and making sure our voices are heard. Welcome, my fellow neurodivergent family. Welcome to this entire community, this growing community. My name is Sheldon Gay. I am your host, and thank you so much for pressing play on another episode of I Must Be Bugging. Um, uh, today, we're going to talk about some things that definitely resonate for neurodivergent people, but frankly, are things that we all deal with. Um, this, this episode, this podcast episode, actually kind of came to me in a dream. I woke up. I kind of had this revelation. I was like, oh, shoot, I got to, you know, I got to work on this. I got to put this down on paper uh, before I lose it. And I know that, you know, uh, and I, I, I would joke with people like, you know, neurodivergent people don't know about that, right? They don't know about losing thoughts uh, uh, randomly. And of course, that's a joke because, you know, many of us uh, do, and particularly neurodivergent people, um, there are definitely times when, you know, we walk into a room, we've got this great idea we just had seconds ago, and all of a sudden it's gone. So um, anyway, I, I also say that because I actually already recorded a third episode, and, you know, forgive me for the delay, uh, you know, got some things kind of going on, but I uh, already recorded a third episode, and really like a the third and fourth episode because it ended up being a little bit longer than I intended. So I'll probably split that into two. But I think this topic today is even more pressing. Um, and, and and so I wanted to make sure that I, like I said, I got it down and I shared it with you all. So again, thank you for joining me. Um, and like I said, today, what we're going to talk about uh, is masking and inner, inner child he- healing. I'm sorry. And so, you know, the, the entire conversation is going to be about the power of getting in touch with that inner child. And, you know, as I said, honestly, these are lessons that everyone can kind of take something from. But because we as neurodivergent people are so familiar with masking, there can be an entirely different layer that's that's put on top of what exists for other folks. Right. And so if you're not familiar with masking, just to kind of give you, uh, you know, a little idea of what that is, masking is what is typically referred to in the neurodiversion community when, you know, we reference, you know, for example, um, you know, maybe you're showing up at your job and, you know, maybe you have social anxiety, but at your job, you try to be extra personable, extra social, extra friendly with people, right? Because you don't want people to see the anxiety that's beneath, right? You don't, you don't, they don't, you don't want them to see what's different. Masking in general, right, is about hiding, your differences and hiding the things that you think, 
you know, our weaknesses or that you wouldn't be accepted for. And frankly, in, in many cases, we've experienced that outright. It's not just in our minds. It's things that we've experienced outright. Um, another example of masking, uh, particularly for gifted folks, and I'll speak to this, you know, personally, is sometimes we show up at jobs, at events, you know, with our friends, with our family, whomever, and we shrink. You know, we may have super complex thoughts, super deep thoughts, but we're used to people having negative reactions to that. Maybe it's their feeling, them feeling overwhelmed. Some people may feel intimidated. Some people may just be confused. And therefore, instead of having, you know, sharing this thing that we're so excited about, so interested in, and people kind of having these reactions, our masking may be shrinking or silencing ourselves. Right. And so these are the things that people are doing to mask. And like I said, this is something that, you know, we all do, you know, as we try to navigate social situations, but particularly neurodivergent people, um, you know, are very familiar with this this concept. And so the central thought for today is is this. And I'll tell you, you know, the central thought that the TLDR, the too long didn't read is, excuse me, the more that we mask the harder it is to get our needs met by ourselves and certainly others. And this is because if your mind is focused on the mask um, and ultimately how hard the mask is to maintain, you will express things that sound like they need solutions rather than the empathy and the validation that you're actually seeking, right? So you may think that you're doing yourself a, a favor by putting on this mask to, you know, provide safety because masking is a coping, you know, a safety mechanism, you know, to, to avoid the, just the negative, you know, societal reactions, I'll say, right? But at the end of the day, if that's where your mind is focused, whether consciously or unconsciously, you're actually, you know, increasing the likelihood that you'll be denied the fundamental need that you have around, you know, feeling heard, feeling seen, feeling understood, you know, all those different things, right? And so um, it, this this conversation I want to have with you all is about, you know, kind of teasing out how that plays out and, and maybe, you know, try to give you some ideas for ways that you can, um, you know, address it in, within yourself and the others that you may be interacting with. Because again, ND people, we tend to have ND friends. And so um, it's good for us to be able to uh, model good behavior with others who will need it. So anyway, my rationale behind this thought is this. The world is filled with a billion things that are outside of our control, right? And we're best served by being aware and purposeful about the things that we can control. And to live the lives that we deserve, it requires vulnerability, accountability, and certainly authenticity. And masking clearly goes against all of those things. You know, masking is about, quote unquote, proving to the world how normal we are and hiding our, you know, quote unquote, weaknesses, right? Because masking isn't about authenticity, right? It constantly needs work to be maintained and it is tiring. We know that, right? We know that going to your job, trying to pretend to be and behave in ways that aren't, you know, your natural behavior, um, it's tiring. It means that you have to remember how to show up, right? As opposed to just showing up as yourself. 
you know, being authentic, authentic, sorry, doesn't take work. It just requires attention and intention through love. Being vulnerable means accepting where we need to support and, and, you know, sorry, where we need support and accommodations and, you know, being able to communicate. Being accountable means taking responsibility for what we can control, even if the source of the issue may not be our fault. And so, again, where we may be, may have been, sorry, unjustly harmed, right? Somebody did something, somebody didn't give us something that we needed, somebody said something harsh to us. Maybe we weren't the source of it. Maybe it was not our fault that that thing happened. But particularly as neurodivergent adults, and in adults in general, we have to take responsibility for that healing um, to make sure that we, you know, again, give our, ourselves the best chance at the life that we want to live. And, you know, if we're, you know, parents, guardians, you know, or just like I said, just operating in this world, we don't want to pass on that those those same cycles, right, to other people through our own trauma. So it's our responsibility to kind of be accountable for how we're showing up and and how we need to heal to do something about it. So, you know, when we find ourselves simply expressing how hard it is, how dumb, you know, quote unquote, dumb people are, or what's keeping us from performing our own self-care and maintenance, we're presenting problems rather than being vulnerable. A lot of us are showing up and complaining that, you know, our building is deteriorating and needs help. But the mask means that the outside of our building looks good or great to everyone else because that's the purpose of the mask is to make everything look good, make it look like we don't need help, make it look like we are this person that we want everybody to see us as, right? And so while you can feel what's happening on the inside, you don't let anyone see it, even when they sense or ask about it. You know, we then put up barriers to allow our, you know, barriers to allowing our true self to be revealed and seen. So again, going back to the original thought, right, the more that we mask, the more incensed we are that people are probing at what's underneath when we feel like they should be able to see the problem from the outside, right? We have this full awareness that not everybody does, um, but also without the awareness that we're, again, we're just showing, we're telling them to look at the outside, right? So in this analogy where you're building, <clears throat> excuse me, you feel like it's the city's or the community's fault for not maintaining your neighborhood. You know, you're upset about why they're asking about what the decor, the foundation and the insulation of your house look like on the inside. You know, you're wondering to yourself, can't they see from the street view why things are so bad and what they need to be doing? <clears throat> excuse me. And that's a challenge, Right. Because, again, if we're focusing our energy on telling them to look at the building from the outside when the problems are the ones that are really on the inside, we're, you know, kind of sending two different messages there. And I want to be very, very clear. Like, this doesn't absolve society and communities from providing care and for pushing to create and maintain necessary accommodations. I'm not suggesting that our frustrations are invalid and shouldn't be expressed. But per use, right, many of these things can be attributed to the capitalistic capitalistic and ableist society we live in and are raised in. Excuse me. So these are the things, these things are in our, our minds, in our behaviors that we don't even realize, right? And these are expectations that we never really had a chance to question um, or may have never had a chance to question, never took the opportunity to question, right? Because they're so pervasive in the societies that we're in. 
So the idea that many of these standards and beliefs wouldn't seep into our own minds and lives isn't reasonable. So it's not your fault, <clears throat> excuse me, that these things exist. It's not your fault that these are the you know, standards that you're trying to uphold. However, what I'm saying is that we can create aware when we can create awareness around where we focus our energy and our words, we open the door to a major shift in our lives. And so let's get a little, little bit practical here, right? Let's talk about how this might play out in real life. What, what might this look like? So this might look like something like complaining about people's insistence on setting meetings at a certain time rather than expressing how tough it is to wake up early or keep track or not be overwhelmed when pe- there are s- several you know, meetings, right? You wish that they knew fundamentally you know, what it felt like to not experience time or event sequence like, sequences like others and that it can make you feel hardly broken or even incompetent when you can't. You know, this might look like complaining that people at work, school, home, whatever, keep the lights on and waste energy when you're really struggling with light sensitivity and wished people kept the lights dimmer or didn't come into a room and insist on flipping on all the lights, right? The big lights. And so instead of that conversation, what if you, you know, what if you um, talked about, you know, uh, how them acknowledging and seeing how disruptive that can be for you. That's what you're hoping for. <clears throat> Excuse me. Another example is, you know, maybe you're complaining that everyone is moving too slow and just doesn't get it rather than speaking to the challenge of having a vision that others can't see. Fundamentally, underneath all of this, right, you're wishing the world knew how it can make you feel you're not okay and how you veered onto the wrong path. You know, you wish the world knew how much you hate questioning yourself and feeling so separated from the people that you're trying to commune with. It feels so isolating, right? And again, this is a perfect example of this podcast, right? It's, you know, the fundamental, you know, message here is, right, is about is around, I must be bugging this experience that neurodivergent people have in general, right? Of being different, thinking different, feeling different, all these different things, right? And you wish that people could see those things. <clears throat> Another way is maybe, you know, you find yourself complaining that people talk too much, they're boring, or their stories don't make any sense. Rather than acknowledging that it can be hard for you to focus or process multiple concepts at once. And what you fundamentally wish is that people saw how hard you were working to listen to them. You wish you didn't feel the extreme angst of letting them down or making them feel like maybe you don't care or don't love them. Right. And so, again, this isn't to say that those complaints aren't real at all. Maybe people are moving too slow or lecturing or, you know, maybe they don't have good meeting etiquette. I'm just speaking to what's actually going to help you feel better and focusing on what we can control and route to a better life. So having said that, let me share a quote I saw on Twitter from Crystal Watson, um, whose Twitter handle is at underscore Crystal C-R-Y. S-T-A-L-M Watson. Um, And I think it's a great demonstration of this topic, but also a good thing maybe to dig into, you know, in a later episode. And she says, um, excuse me, young people don't hate math. They hate feeling confused, embarrassed, and humiliated by math. And I know, for example, this is like so, this hit me so, you know, hard because I know people who have dyscalculia or who struggle with the motivation to do math who found ways to improve their results once they addressed the way doing math made them feel and had the space to work through it anyway. And so just to go back a little bit, for those who don't know, 
calculia is essentially dyslexia for math. So if you have trouble, you know, uh, interpreting and processing mathematical concepts, that can be a reason why you're having trouble with math. As hard as you're trying, it may be that, you know, you need some extra help. And that's fine. It doesn't mean you're stupid or slow or any negative thing. I mean, you just have something that's going to take you some extra effort. And once you kind of are, again, focusing on how it's making you feel, you can get some help. You can get some, you know, it's easier to get some help. It's easier to get some compassion around it, right? And, you know, maybe it's just me and, you know, my experience with others, but it seems that if the power and community with our friends, especially NDEs, comes when we speak to the painful and scary inner thoughts with things like, you are enough, you're not lazy, or all of your emotions are welcome and safe here, and so on, then we do ourselves a service by focusing on the underlying need we want validated rather than the way the world isn't helping us maintain the mask. And without a doubt, it can take lots of internal work to identify those underlying needs. I'm not trying to say this is easy or, you know, you know, super straightforward. You know, eventually, though, what you realize is how the answers, signs and signals have always been there. But they were drowned out by the mask and all the stuff that life put on top of you. And so I want to move into talking about some practical tips and thoughts, you know, to make sure that before we get off of this, that I'm able to share those things. And to do that, I'm going to borrow from another wise woman whose messages the algorithm sent me, you know, as I was prepping for this episode. Because as we know, the algorithm is in our minds um, and knows what to to send us. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of joking, but this it was really interesting to be kind of working through this outline and then go on Twitter and see these things that were so, so relevant. Um, so anyway, this one comes from, uh, at the multiple mom on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, they had a lot of great things to say, and I'm just going to add a lot of these threads to the show notes and, but I'm going to pick out a couple of things for here. And so her threads are focused on primarily parenting children, but it absolutely applies to adults, especially those of us who've, you know, had to do so much reparenting and healing of our inner child. Excuse me. You know, when we're looking to help a child or inner child, here, you know, are some examples of what she calls redirection phrases that can help when you, you know, uh, need to tell someone, or sorry, when you can tell that someone's deep into their negative self-talk. You know, imagine hearing these things while you're having a tough time, right? Let's say that you're, you are dysregulated, you're having a, a rough day, you're feeling, you know, unworthy, you know, the imposter syndrome is, is in high gear, um, you're feeling really bad about a mistake, whatever. Imagine hearing this. Accidents happen. Do you need help? Right? Um, This seems frustrating to learn. Can we figure this out together? I understand you, but I don't think I agree. Let's explore this. Do you need a hug or a break? Imagine hearing those things. I'm sure a lot of those things are not the things that you're expecting people to say when you remove your mask and when you show, you know, share your vulnerability with people. These are the things that you wish that you were hearing, but you're afraid that you're not going to. And so instead of risking the pain, we mask and we internalize all that pain. And so she says that she shifted, you know, away from trying to talk children out of their feelings 
and started to focus on talking them through their feelings, right? Which is a bar. And so she drops another, you know, yet another bar by saying, you can't make someone unfeel a thing because you feel something else. However, you can help them shift perspective. And I thought that was super, super powerful because, you know, one of the things is that, you know, feelings are all valid. You know, they're they're there. They're there to help us. There's no reason to um, pretend like, you know, there's no reason to label any of them bad at all, right? Um, they're all temporary, but they're all teaching us a lesson. And the reality is you can't unfeel them. You can't just push a button and be like, oh, I was never angry. I, you know, I don't have that that feeling. There's no way to do that, you know. And this is also something that those of us who are empaths or highly sensitive or simply those who have had to deal with some trauma around people projecting their feelings onto us, we know that in in trying to exist, right, and to be in that space, if we're taking on a lot of those emotions, if we're feeling a, a lot of those emotions, one of the things that we can have as kind of a reflex is to try to get someone to stop feeling them because we don't want to feel their negative emotions because it's overwhelming to us. And that's understandable, but the reality is we can't make them unfeel it. And the best path is to not, like, say, like, stop being sad, stop being angry, stop being these things, but to help them, to give them an opportunity to be able to move through it, right, to shift perspective from whatever they're kind of fixated on. And so I'm just going to take a quick drink of water. Give me a second. Hopefully that helps me to stop uh, <laughs> coughing a little bit here. But um, here are some steps that she she suggests for addressing what I'll label, you know, a dysregulated child or inner child. And some of these comments, just so that you know, are kind of my add-ons. But um, anyway, the first thing is listening. Um, and so for me, that is super critical. Like, honestly, the rest of this list doesn't work if you don't listen. Listening, active listening, purposeful listening, intentional listening is something that a lot of people think that they do, but they don't really. A lot of people come into conversations, you know, with thoughts and biases and assumptions about what's going on that, again, consciously and unconsciously are there and that refl- that impacts, I'm sorry, what they believe that they're hearing. Um, and I put a video, I'm going to try to find it. I'll put a video in uh, the show notes if I can find it that really demonstrates the power of um, how we can all be hearing uh, the same exact thing, but based upon how you tweak things, you can hear something very, very different, right? It's kind of that, uh, what was like the, the white and gold um, you know, dress kind of a thing, right? This reality is very much shaped about what's happening inside of us. Um, and so listening and, and truly, you know, making space for what they have to say is so, so critical. The next thing is, you know, empathizing and giving grace. And so look, none of us are perfect. And, the, you know, the, we, a lot of us already know the binary thinking is like, that's, that's played out. You know, we, we're, we're not for that anymore. We have to kind of stop with the black and white thinking and, 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 you know, exist in the gray and the colors and, you know, the rainbow and all that good fun stuff, right? Because there's not really a such, you know, there's no real such thing as a bad person per se, right? There's very few people 
that because they did something harmful are actually bad people. Um, we make mistakes. You know, maybe we don't have the capacity capacity in the moment. We don't have the learning. You know, we're just struggling for whatever reason. I'm sure many of us know we could have been having a great few weeks. Something comes up and we're just not at our best. And so creating space to empathize and just give grace in those situations is really, really important. Next is, you know, assessing and exploring the why, right? Um, It's important, you know, because humans fundamentally want to be understood. And exploring the why helps to take out any narrative that you had in your mind about why this person did it, what their intentions were, and all this other kind of stuff. But really getting down to the nitty gritty of how they're seeing it, right, to be Help, help you understand where they're coming from. Excuse me. And that after that, as you've listened to them and really gotten into the nitty gritties, right, you can briefly challenge their negative thoughts, right? Don't get fixated on it. Don't, uh, you know, kind of go out of your way. I know that for some of us, this is kind of the part that's kind of itching at us, right, to, to kind of change their thinking and point out how what they're thinking is is not right. But um, we really needed a lot of compassion in this moment um, and a lot of realization that uh, this may not be the time to kind of go through the, you know, the full lecture on the whole thing or whatever, like the full breakdown. Um, so, you know, you, you do get a chance to feed that itch, but in a compassion, compassionate way. Um, and next thing is offering a different perspective. So this is the fifth thing for those who are, for whom it is helpful to hear it counted out. Um, you know, offering a different perspective is really, you know, important. It helps to give that focus, that, that, that like laser beam in their head, something else, another direction to go in, right? Because that laser beam wants to focus on something, you know, but instead of where it's been pointing, you can help them shift, you know, to the left, to the right, up, down, whatever, right? But just not on the, the super negative, and so where it's appropriate and where they ask you, which is super critical, you know, you have to ask first for that space. Like, do you do you mind if I offer, you know, a suggestion, right? Do you do you want to solve this problem together? Maybe it's not what they want right now. Maybe that's not what they really need. But give them that opportunity to problem solve together. Um, that was the sixth one. The seventh is affirming and encouraging their strengths. Right, help them feel seen as valuable and capable, because again, once you're deep in that negative self-talk, this is what you're doubting. This is what you're what's making it so hard for you to to shift, right? Because you don't believe that you're valuable. You don't believe that you have any strengths. If you, when when we do feel like we have strengths, when we do feel like we have what we need, it's a lot easier for us to move forward, right? And kind of move to the solution, um, you know, take that action that's needed. Uh, and so lastly, you know, the, the, the eighth thing is about embracing imperfections. So, you know, adding more empathy and compassion here. And I'll add to this, you know, helping them know that you're not waiting to abandon them because they're not perfect. That's how I would say it, right? Is that, you know, again, at the end of the day, a lot of times people are afraid of being left, cut off, you know, having a relationship change because they're not perfect, because they did mess up, because maybe they're not as good 
as what they hope people believe them to be. But if you let them know that you're not, again, you're not going anywhere just because they messed up or because they weren't able to meet some standard, and maybe it's their standard, right? But let them know that you're not leaving. It can be really, really powerful. So imagine how, again, how it would feel to receive this kind of love throughout our lives. You know, you can even give this to yourself if you feel like you don't have anyone with the capacity to care for you in this way. And once you've learned it, you can try modeling it for others, right? And so now it propagates through all of our communities. And so as I close out the episode, I'll say this. Some will communicate their true needs more clearly and better than others. Some will allow the space for this vulnerability better than others. And I think we all have opportunities to investigate how we can push ourselves further in both regards. If you find yourself still masking, if you, if I hope that you find the courage to see what happens when you let go of what your building looks like. I'll say that again because, again, when you let go of worrying about meeting other people's standards and just be you, as scary as that is, I promise you, there will be good things that come. And, you know, I I just, I cannot stress it enough, but I know it can be terribly difficult to get over that anxiety, you know, based upon what we've experienced while being our authentic selves. And again, not every space will be 100% safe. I'm not trying to pretend like it is. But the reality is that until we find the courage to remove the mask, we'll never be free and know who we truly are. Um, a lot of us are holding on to thoughts and behaviors that we believe are who we are. But the reality is, is that what we believe to be who we are is really the mask we've been hold, been using, I'm sorry, to cope and protect us for so long. So that is, you know, we believe we're fighting not to change who we are, right? We believe there's this core part of who we are and like, I can't change who I am. But the reality is, is that we may be fighting, really, really fighting in, in reality to not reveal who we don't want the world to see us as, right? Because there's this facade that we've put up and we feel like if we let it go, well, who will we be? What will we have? But the reality is, is that our true self was never the mask. So you letting go, you're not letting go of yourself. You're letting go of an unhealthy coping mechanism you're letting go of something that's keeping you from getting to the things that you want and so what i want to say to you is that i see you i see all of you i see all of us and what i see is something that the world needs to experience authentically and so lastly before i go i'll leave you with one more quote from another person whose words inspired me um their uh, handle on twitter is uh at underscore page underscore Turner, and they said this, once you unlearn the unnecessary embarrassment for being human that the world taught you, that's when you're truly free. And mm, so, so amazing. Blessings to everyone. If you've made it this far, thank you again for listening to another episode. Um, Shout out to everybody that's inspired me this week and and putting this together. Um, I told Yusuf, I would mention you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to use your nugget in one of the the future episodes, but I definitely have used, you know, our conversation about masking to to inform what I've shared here. And so, again, thank you, everyone, for uh, joining me for another episode. Um, I hope this has been helpful. Please, please, if you have any thoughts, I'm eager to hear them. If you don't agree, 
please, please share them. If you've got, you know, a, a thought that this has sparked for you, please share them and go ahead and keep sharing this, leave a review, all that fun stuff. But until next time, I will see you. Thanks. Thank you for joining me for another episode of I Must Be Bugged. I hope you've learned something, became curious, and most importantly, felt affirmed by what you heard. Remember, this podcast is all about sharing compassionate narratives about who we are and how we contribute to the beautiful and necessary diversity of humanity. This is our place to unmask and just be. Don't forget to connect with me on IG at I Must Be Bugging, where I'm eager to see you share your thoughts, your experiences, and your stories. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend, leave a review, and subscribe. It helps others who are eager for community find our people. So thank you again for being a part of the I Must Be Bugging community. I can't wait for the next episode. Until then, stay up and enjoy who you were meant to be. And remember, you're not bugging, you're brilliant.